This is your moment. Your moment to move forward and make progress. It's time to see where an education can take you. For over 130 years, Strayer University has been at the forefront of change, offering programs that help students like you get ahead and stay ahead, so you can keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEF. You are listening to the Motherhood Unstressed Podcast, and I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. Welcome to another new week. I hope you are doing well in preparation of all the holiday fun that I'm sure is happening in your life right now. My house is especially chaotic, but I kind of love it, and uh, I'm especially excited to share my guest with you this week. Her name is Mara Davis, and she has been um, just huge in the radio scene in Atlanta since the 90s. And since then, she's she emcees events. She's really active in charities. She's um, on the Burt Show every week. She co-hosts um, Atlanta Eats. There's really nothing that she's not involved in um, when it comes to media in Atlanta. I mean, she's just awesome. And um, I met her at a Helping Mamas brunch uh, a few weeks ago. And um, the second I sat down with her... Uh, at the table, I was just amazed how funny she was, how real she was. You know, usually at these things, there's a lot of small talk and nice conversation. And she just was so herself. And it just really, that energy caught my attention. And I knew in that moment, I was like, I have to have her on the show. She's fantastic. Um, because I'm always attracted to people who are just unapologetically themselves, not rude or, you know, chaotic, but just really just being who they are. And they're not afraid of judgment. And And for me, that's just so refreshing, you know, because especially as a woman and a mother, you know, oftentimes we're put into these roles, uh, these expectations, and uh, she's just one who kind of bucks that off. And so I'm like, yes, <laughs> I like you. <laughs> Let's get you on the show. And so we talk a lot about that, about, you know, releasing societal's expectations on her, on us as mothers and women and really embodying who we really are and not being afraid to do that, not being afraid to try new things, to learn new things, to put ourselves out there in the pursuit of a more fulfilling life. Um, so I hope you enjoy this episode. Share it with at least one friend. If you do like it, uh, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Share us on your Instagram stories. That's a great way to support the show. Uh, take a screenshot of the episode and tag me at Motherhood Unstressed, and I'll share it back out. And uh, yeah, hope you enjoy the episode with Mara Davis. This episode is sponsored by Motherhood Unstressed CBD. And if you order this week, there is still enough time to receive your CBD, whether it's for yourself or someone in your life who's been dying to try it, and they're not really sure where to start. Uh, my line is a great one. It's organic. It's all USA grown. You can trust that the quality is there, that the cannabinoids are actually there, and it's going to provide a ton of relief for you and those you love. And if you use the code HOLIDAY, you will receive an extra 20% off your order. So head on over to motherhoodunstressed.com and order yours today. Welcome to the show. Hi, glad to be here. Yeah, so I'm going to just kick it off with kind of a, a large question. How did you get into a career in media? I mean, you, you're one of the best in the business, especially in Atlanta. How did that all begin? Well, you're very sweet to say that. And thank you very much. I ended up in Atlanta uh, via, uh, I was always interested in radio and I was a communications major in college. 
And so I took that really seriously as like, that was just like the career I fell into, into broadcasting. And I ended up in Atlanta because I got a job here. I had been doing radio in Boston. I had been doing radio in Rochester, New York, and I was looking to get out. So I would have really gone anywhere, but Atlanta was, um, where they uh, request for the job. <laughs> and so I ended up here in 1994 working for Z93, which later became Dave FM. And so that's really where my radio career started. I mean, there is a longer story as far as like how I ended up in it, but radio was something I was always very attracted to for a couple of reasons. One, I love music so much. Um, and was always a fan of like music trivia and and radio in general was something I was always fascinated with because most people who listen to radio or listen to a podcast, it's a very one-on-one -on -one intimate conversation. So, so I was definitely really, really attracted to it. And that led me to meeting a lot of people. Being in survival mode is how I ended up in other forms of media. Really? Talk, talk to us a little bit more about that because is, is radio just, it doesn't I don't know, are there not enough hours for, you know, to host a show or to do something or, or was it something else pulling you towards these other forms of media? Well, uh, the way things worked out for me is I, I was, I had a very uh, extraordinary long career in radio back in the day, you know, DJs, radio DJs would have to travel all over the country mm -hmm. from job to job to job. It was commonplace. But I was able to stay at the same company with the same frequencies, 92.9, for 17 years, which is wow. highly, highly, highly unusual. And then uh, when the station changed over, changed format to sports, place for me. Because number one, sports is not my thing. Number two, it was just like this, it was just, I had to figure out where I, else I was going to land. And all I knew how to do was radio. I'd done a little TV or emceeing, stand-up comedy, things like that here and there. But the Atlanta radio community, as long as I was in the business and I had this great career, I wasn't getting phone calls off the hook of people who wanted to hire me. And that was a symptom of just the radio business changing mm -hmm. that it's just, there were the internet arrived and automation had arrived. And so it was like, when everybody said, everybody's going to be calling you and your phone's going to be ringing off the hook, that just didn't happen. So I had to figure out how to A, make a living. Uh, I was lucky because my husband has a full-time job in insurance benefits. So I did have a little bit of time to, to figure that out. But it was clear that if I wanted to continue to do radio, I would have had to move. I would have mm -hmm. to move. And that wasn't an option because my husband is a very successful television producer. My son was in school. My roots are here in Atlanta after being here for so long. So I pretty much took every job I could get. I mean, there was no job I wouldn't do. I really got very active in charity. I started to do a little TV. It's how I got involved in Atlanta Eats. I would do literally any media opportunity that came my way, I volunteered for. So that just really led to an evolution of doing a lot of different things. Now, I didn't see it then. People are like, wow, you're doing so much stuff and it's so cool. But I'm like, well, 
it's survival mode. And so through that survival mode has led me to other jobs. And now what I think maybe is the second phase of my career. That's so interesting too, because I think someone with your status, I think ego would come into play. You know, I'm not doing this volunteer job. I'm not taking this little, you know, whatever job, like so many people I think would go that route. What, what about you makes you think that way? Like, no, I'm going to take this job because this is what I need to do. I mean, what's, what is it about you? Well, I won't lie. Like ego is a huge part of it. Like your ego's bruised when you're a radio personality like that and radio's heyday. And you know, everybody is just telling you how great you are all the time or they're shitting on you too. Because <laughs> You know what I mean? You say something and you know, whatever. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was, it was really hard. I mean, that first year I, I cried, go from being America's sweetheart to nobody returning your calls. And I, I learned some lessons um, from the industry there uh, that that were really hard. But in retrospect, it was it was good because it, it, it just kind of forces you to realize that, hey, you know, you're not the shit. You've got to start all over again. You've got to realize that no one has ever heard of you. And and that's kind of the, the attitude I took. I'm not going to say that happened right out of the gate. But I had to really find humility in that. And I think that's something that everybody should do because you never know when your day is going to be your last day. Mm -hmm. So I think it was taking some crappy gigs to open my eyes to realizing how good I had had it before and then having an appreciation of when I actually got a really good gig. But, but yeah, I mean that first, first year out of full-time radio, cause honestly I didn't, I didn't know how to do anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did have a young son, but I was not, satisfied. I didn't want to just be like, I'm just going to take more time to be a mom. Like that, (laughs) that is not in my character. That's not who I am. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I see people saying that it's like, you know, okay, there are some people that are doing that, but that just wasn't me. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, I got shit on a lot. So you know, nothing is what it seems and yeah. you got to keep fighting through and not, I would always say, don't let those efforts get the best of you. You know what I mean? It's just like, keep fighting, never give up. Oh my God. I just got chills when you said that. That's so awesome. And that was one, honestly, one of the first things that I noticed about you when we sat down together at lunch was everything you were saying was like pinging truth. And I was like, who is, who is this woman? I mean, I knew about you, of course, but I was like, no, really, who is she really? Like, this is fantastic because normally 99% of the time we're sitting down with people in, you know, social situations and you're not getting the truth. You're getting nice conversation. You're getting small talk and everything that was coming out of your mouth was just so raw and authentic. So, I mean, talk to, is that just from being in radio or have you always been that type of person who just speaks truth 24 seven? I mean, I love that. I think it's my mother who is a tremendous inspiration in my life and in my career and is my best friend. And she's very much like that. She's a no bones, no bullshit lady. And uh, I think that I just, you know, look, I mean, there are, uh, you know, sometimes it works to my disadvantage because 
people may think that I'm a little crisp, as my mother would say, or rough <laughs> around the edges. Um, you know, maybe that's part of a um, defense mechanism for being insecure. Maybe that's, um, I just don't, I mean, like, look, I, even what you see that day, like that was still kind of an edited version of, <laughs> of, of me. But um, we got to hang I, out more. <laughs> I just like to keep it real. And I would love that. I like to keep it real. Um, in the sense, because it just, I, I, I guess I don't know how to not keep mm-hmm. it real. I just, I don't, because um, it works for me. Now, sometimes it doesn't work for everybody else. I mean, that was interesting. Like, I grew up in South Florida, moving to the South. And, um, you know, it's not always like that. It's kind of like, you know, South Florida is like New York. So it's like that New right. York attitude. Um, but it just really worked for me. It really resonated for me on the radio too, just being me. And, um, you know, do I have regrets with things I say sometimes? Totally. But as you mentioned, you are a mom and, you know, when you first had your son, um, what was that like? I mean, you were obviously working hard. What was the transition like to new motherhood? How did you balance that? And then how do you still balance that today? Cause you're still very much involved in, in raising, I mean, adolescence is probably more work. You know, uh, uh, on the theme of keeping it real, um, I was very reluctant to have uh, a baby. It was something that I wasn't, I was not that girl who just couldn't wait to have a baby. Mm-hmm. It was not that at all. And I kept seeing all my friends have babies and strollers and I start, I did. And I, I have such a, wonderful marriage and a great husband and a best friend and a partner. And he's gotten me through everything. I mean, all this career shit with, you know, I mentioned my mother, but he is a big part of, you know, helping guide everything that you read. It's beautiful. And it's, you know, um, um, Oh my God, I did that when you see the baby, but I did not like those baby years. It was hard. Mm-hmm. I think everybody gets postpartum depression. I don't know if I just had that or the baby blues because I didn't love it. I felt like I had lost uh, part of my independence uh, and I couldn't wait to go back to work. As I said on that panel where we met, I had no hesitation leaving him. (laughs) (laughs) that's not to say I don't love him and I didn't want to be there for his mother, but it was so, so going back to work was easy. I think it actually have becoming a mother made me better at my job because it taught me to be more empathetic mm-hmm. to other parents, to people, to know that my ego wasn't the biggest thing in the room to know that like, you know, suddenly everything has shifted, but those early years were hard. You know, I think this adolescent age is easier for me. So I, when I went to my gynecologist, cause I was so, I never understood what depression was. I never could really know what that felt like until there was one day I was getting ready for work and I was crying uncontrollably because I, I was just sad. And it was like, how, why am I sad? I've got a great job a wonderful husband, a healthy baby. I can afford full-time help and I am miserable. Mm. And that was a really like, that was like 
whoa. So I went to my doctor and he was like, look, I could put you on meds, but, um, you know, you, he, he just gave me this great advice is like, you know, not everybody is amazing being a mother to a baby or a toddler. You may, you, you, you're, you know, going to make, get your gold star in motherhood, like later in life when they're older, it doesn't mean anything. Wow. And that kind of, and I always say that to him, how that was just like the best advice. Cause I felt like, you know, I saw some of my friends and they breastfeeding came easy and everybody loved their play groups. I hated play group. <laughs> I hated it all. I did not, I was not there, but now uh, my son's 14 and I want to hang out with him. I'm into the music he's into. We watch the same shows together. Mm. I want to like, you know, help him navigate these next couple of years of the challenges of being a teenager. So like, I can see, like, I can see that now, like, oh, wow, this is the kind of motherhood that like, that, that, that suits me. That's awesome. And what a gift from that doctor to say that. That's so out of character, I feel like, nowadays. Yeah, it really was. Uh, shout out to Steven Rosenberg uh, at Northside OBGYN. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, because that's that's like, you know, look, you see motherhood and it's like the picture of the mother and the stroller and nobody sees like how hard it is to learn how to use that stroller. Right. When you're by yourself and you have to go to the changing room for the first time in a public bathroom, how hard it is. Or just not being able to breastfeed. Or like there's just so many challenges. How like people hold the door open for you when you're pregnant, but not when you're struggling with a stroller. Yes. Going on a plane with a baby. Like these, but again, Mm. that's made me a different person, Liz. Like now, like I look at women and men who are taking care of babies and little ones. I have a whole different outlook now. So I, uh, it's made me better, but I didn't go and have that second baby because Mm -hmm. one was, like I said, it was ambivalent to the start. And I was 36 when I had Charlie and uh, I had to hurry up and get going if I was going to do it again. And I just couldn't do it. Uh, Mm -hmm. I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. And that is something now I absolutely have no regrets because I think, um, and my mother gave me this great advice and she said, look, there are one child mothers, there are two child mothers, there are three child mothers. Doesn't make you any less of a mother. You know, you have to do what's right for you. And it just wasn't, it wasn't, I was not craving it. I was the only reason why I was even thought about it, thinking about it is because society was telling mm-hmm. me, oh, you got to give your kid a, you know, a sibling. You've got to do, you know. But my mental state uh, was not uh, in any place. I think if I had done that, I would have been very resentful, which would not have made me a great mother. Yeah. So there and you so go. many, I, I mean, I guarantee you so many women listening to this completely resonate with that, completely understand that. Um, and it's funny because my oldest says all the time when he gets mad at his brother, like, why did you have another child? Like, I wanted to be an only child. I had a great time. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> whoops. <laughs> well, I get that from Charlie. Like, oh, uh, like he went through a phase yeah. of that. Um, and we have a dog and, you know, and I love dogs. So I feel like I'll always have like, you know, once he's out of the house and graduate out, I'm going to be that crazy dog lady. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, 
listen, I mean, who has all the answers, right? You just don't know. But I knew um, for myself and I think, you know, and I also feel like there's definitely a part that disappointed my husband in this sense, because he comes from a family of, uh, you know, the, he has two brothers that I was somehow going to be disappointing him, but I just couldn't do it. I just mm-hmm. couldn't, I couldn't go through it again. I just didn't, I didn't, I didn't like pregnancy either, I, but I couldn't do it. And I, as I talk about it now, I'm like, thank God I didn't do it because yeah. I'm so happy with the way things are now. That's amazing. I think really staying true to yourself. It's been a common theme, I feel like, through your whole life. I mean, was your mother that way too? Did you get a lot of that self-awareness and and self-confidence from her? Definitely. I think my mother always says about me that I'm a creation because, you know, my mom is so um, uh, whip-smart so into the arts, completely well-read, has an incredible worldview. She's 80 years old. She's so sharp. She's always the star of the room. And she really did give me a lot of confidence um, and really encouraged me to pursue my career and to not give up. And to also, um, you know, have that confidence in myself when things, you know, she was, grew up in an era where you were 21 and you got your MRS degree. You know, that was the joke, you know, Mm -hmm. that's what she did. She she had, you know, by 25, she had kids under, you know, two boys. And it was like, I think she always had big dreams of having a career, but in those days just, you didn't, it was different. Mm -hmm. So I think that is part of her push for me is to maybe try and do the things that she wanted to do. Um, but yes, I mean, certainly a big influence, uh, the biggest influence in my life there mm. with confidence. I love that. And so for the woman listening right now who may not feel very confident or may just be going through something like baby blues or just, you know, a hard time in life, what would you say to her to, to build that and boost that confidence? I would say to find a friend, if you don't have, you're not close with your mom, is to find a friend. I mean, I always think it's like if you have one friend who knows you and who gets you, they can get you through pretty much anything. Uh, Of course, that has to be a balanced relationship. You have to listen to their shit. (laughs) Give them yours. So there's that. Um, And I think it's like, there's also, there's, it's look, it's easy to say never give up and this and that, like, you know, it, it, it is, but know that there's always someone out there who has it worse than you. Um, and you know, what you think is the ideal may not be that. Um, and nowadays I think we're faced with, um, the idea of what you should be. We see images on Instagram or TV or this, that, and this is not an old theme, but you know, an Instagram is a curated version of somebody's life, somebody giving you their greatest hits. And so it's okay to be sad and it's okay to have a rough time. Um, but to get up and know that, you know, look, you're not going to be other people. You're just going to be you and finding the one thing that makes you happy you know, work makes me happy. I love working. I get, it turns me on getting that job done, doing something, you know, so it, finding the thing 
that makes you happy and, and it may not be something that involves a lot of money, making a lot of money, but if you can find something that you love doing and make a living out of it, I think that is just so much more valuable than anything uh, material or tangible. It goes a long way. Absolutely. I love that. Um, but changing gears back to career, um, obviously you love to work and you're really, really good at it. Do you ever get nerves before a big gig? Like you were just in Macon at this giant show, a packed yeah. audience of people. I love watching your stories on Instagram. <laughs> do you ever get nervous? And if yeah. so, how do, you, how do you push through that? Uh, you know, I'm not at nervous for public speaking really, because that's just what I do. And I feel very comfortable doing it. I'm nervous that I'm going to screw up the script. I'm nervous that like, but you know, once I'm in it, I'm fine. Um, it's more, uh, it's less of nerves. It's more of pressure on myself to do a good job. I do get nervous sometimes. Like this summer I did two interviews with, uh, with John Cusack, the actor, and it was like a Q and a thing. And, um, he was a really hard interview. So interviews can be very nerve wracking because it's so unpredictable. You don't know what you get when you're reading a script, you, you know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a pro I've done it a million times. So the making gig, no, I wasn't nervous because I knew everybody. Cause again, I've had enough experience to know number one, most people, they're not even listening to you. <laughs> Bring it real. Okay. I'm there to do a job. So, so that's number one. Number two, at that one, everybody's partying, drinking, have a good time. They want me to hurry up and keep moving because they want the music to go. And I even try to tell people that hire me, I'm like, less is more, less is more. I love to hear myself talk, but like, I want to keep this program going. Um, but interviews can be nerve wracking, especially like if I'm do moderating and moderating a panel is or doing an interview, those are my favorite things to do because I do love the unpredictability of it. Mm. But yeah, I get, I, get, I get nervous. I mean, just like anybody else would, but but I've done it long enough now that that I just, it's it's what I do. So I do, ha I, and the confidence uh, helps. Yeah, I read something the other day that made me think of you. It said an artist is is a person who agrees to never be comfortable in life, to never take the status quo. Do you feel that that's true about you? Oh, 100%. The day you stop trying to improve is the day you quit. You can always find a way to be better. Again, it's like I said, I'm not ner I'm nervous that like I just my nerves are I want to do a good job and do what you hired me to do that is where I get nervous. Like, is, are they going to be happy? Or are they going to hire me again? But yeah, I mean, I think like I went to BravoCon, which maybe you saw my story, which was awesome. And there were some panels there that I saw people moderating and, you know, I can learn from other people and like how, Oh, like, Oh, that's a really good tip. I'm going to do that. So I don't think you should ever stop trying to learn because if you stop, you just, you suck. You got to quit. Cause no one's, I mean, even Oprah's trying to get better. I mean, right. And just think about, like, I think about all the stuff I would miss out on. Like if I didn't push myself, if I didn't go for a gig that really kind of scared the shit out of me, like the Ted talk, like I was scared, but I was like, what if I don't do it? Like that's way worse. Right. 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 I think, you know, and that is such a challenge. I've never done anything like that. Um, because I, 
that's one thing that I think a hurdle I would like to do because I've never done a speech where I've used visual aids or a script. Every time I get up, it's all, or I mean, I use scripts, but I, to me, I uh, ad lib and that is really the easiest for me because that's what I know as being a radio personality. I'm mm. not great with scripts and reading. So that's something I'd love to challenge myself to do um, and it would it would be about the second phase of your career because I think that's a big thing for women in their 40s, 50s. I mean, even in 30s too. It's just like when you suddenly have to do something else, it's risky, it's scary, and you're gonna fail again and again and again. But then when you have those six, six you know, you we succeed. It's just like, oh my god, this is so so rewarding yeah yeah you're you're proud of yourself in that moment yeah I mean that's why like my new even though I do the emceeing and all the other stuff you know my main job is talent booking and I never knew that that was going to be something that I love to do so much but I see I'm like I'm 50 now and I'm like oh my god this is going to take me through like I, you know now I'm like okay I've made mistakes I've learned, I've failed, I've had great successes, but in my mind, I'm like, how am I going to be booking for Saturday Night Live in five years? Wow, I love that. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I mean, maybe, maybe Colbert. That'll be good too. <laughs> Still awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's so, it's, so it's like, that's, that's, I think that the part of like, I couldn't see that at all when I um, lost my radio job. I couldn't see that. And you could tell that to me all day long. I mean, my husband would tell me all day long, um, you're going to find it. You're going to find it. You're going to find it. Wow. I just couldn't see it. What a great partner. Yeah, he's awesome. It's always important to, you know, uh, finding a husband or a, a partner that especially, especially I think it is, it's a special kind of guy that can be with a woman who is, has confidence and is a career woman and made like, I was the breadwinner for a very long time. Mm. And a lot of men are intimidated by that. I don't understand why, because you know, look in my mom's day, that was what they did. You went out and you provided now gives a shit. You're married. It's all in one. I, Mm -hmm. to me, I don't understand that concept, but but it's there. Um, but it's, it's a constant, like, you know, and part of it maybe is we're best friends. We're in the same business. We encourage each other. Is it perfect? No, no marriage is perfect. Is it work? Yes. But uh, he could, he got me through that dark career time because he believed in me as I believe in him. So, but finding that is, is, is rare. You got to have a partnership when you have a marriage. Yeah. And I'm sure there were times where you pulled him through stuff too. I mean, probably more than you even know. Oh yeah. I mean, listen, we had a very tough, uh, year. Um, you know, his brother passed away suddenly two years ago mm-hmm. and that's, that's another, and that was like super tragic eye-opening. Um, again, that's why, like, I always say that nothing is ever as it seems. What you think is there is, what you think you think is there is, 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 is not there. 
you know? So, um, but yeah, we got through that tough time and that's, that's a real uh, marriage challenger, death and money. Mm. Because, you know, when you, when you're for, and, and, and parenthood, obviously, but like when you first get together, it's all wine and roses and you're, you're so hot for each other, (laughs) you know, everything's, everything's a party. Right. And then like adulting happens and it's, can you, can you work with these challenges together? And it's also, I think, um, having independence as a unit. Like we can be home in the same place and working and not talking to each other. And it's, it's, but I still feel good that he's here. Like Mm -hmm. if he's watching sports, which I don't care about sports, um, I'll be, I still want to be in the same room with him on my laptop, watching TV. You know what I mean? Like, I just like being around him. So I think it's a rare, it's a rare thing. I mean, he's my person. So it's good. I love that. I love it. Okay. So we're to the point of the interview where I ask you for a big takeaway. It could be on what we talked about today or just something on life. And you've dropped so many truth bombs throughout this interview. Um, But do you have one more for us? I would say, um, God, there's a couple. Say, don't believe the hype. Uh, I know stay true to yourself. It's so freaking cliche. I know it's cliche. <laughs> like, you know, blessed and, you know, a uh, spiritual gangster. And, um, but I do say um, tomorrow is another day. And, um, but the biggest takeaway is do what you love. Mm. If you're a lawyer and you're making a ton of money and your life is miserable because you want to be a teacher, go be a teacher. Yeah. I know that sounds very easy, but if you do what you love, the money will come later or you'll be able to learn to live with less because Mm. you're, you're satisfied. I think that is the biggest takeaway from from everything and the biggest um, tools that I got from my mother when I was interested in radio, it was just like, she pushed me to get internships and to do stuff. So do what you love. Oh, I love that. Okay. So I do have some rapid fire questions if you're ready. Yeah. Okay. Confidence. Uh, I'm grateful. (laughs) My dog. We already talked about your husband. He's fine. (laughs) Um, And lastly, what's something that you've learned in life that you wish someone would have told you earlier on? Don't sweat the small stuff. Don't, you know, worry about the bullshit. You know, uh, don't worry about about what people think of you. Just, you know, if your inner circle loves you, it's all good. I love it. I love that so much. Um, okay. So how can the listener find you online, follow you in your amazing stories? I never know. On Instagram, it's Mara Davis 2000 on Twitter. It's Mara Davis. I try not to be too political, but that's where I'm most political. <laughs> um, and then I'm on Facebook, but I use that a little bit less, but yeah, Instagram is, you know, and I try not to be too annoying there. You're uh, not. I, I try to, 
I, I, I try to, you know, because I have a family of my husband and son. And when I do Instagram story, they're always like, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. I'll be like, look at me. They're like, nobody cares. Yes, they do. Um, so yeah. So Instagram is a good place to get me. And um, you can hear me on the Burt show once a week and on NPR, WABE in Atlanta on Thursdays, I do a music report and behind the scenes at Adult Swim and, um, you know, keeping it real. Oh, phone call there. Keeping it real. Well, thank you. (laughs) You know what the sexy phone call is? It's, um, I'm getting my windshield replaced because it had, uh, uh, has a crack in it. So. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I knew I was going to love this conversation and I absolutely did. Thank you so much for sharing your light and your humor and just your love with the audience. Cause uh, Liz, thanks so much for inviting me on your podcast. I'm a fan of yours too. And you're doing such great work and uh, we'll get that lunch and we'll really keep it real. We'll add in a, uh, some rosé rosé all day (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if she's serious but it sounds great i don't know (laughs) yes i am of course you have been listening to the motherhood unstressed podcast and i'm your host liz carlisle thank you so much for tuning in and spending your time with me today i hope you love this episode if you did please take five seconds and leave us a review on apple podcast it really does so so much for the show And share us out on your Instagram stories. Tag us at Motherhood Unstressed and talk about what you liked about this episode and why your followers should be tuning in too. Until next time, love ya. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.